Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On the last episode of Guilt. Nah, uh, never met them, mate. You know, there's no way I would let anyone rape anybody in front in my presence. I wouldn't have let Brother Dave fucking you step some lovely lady out to just have a sexual gratification. Yeah. I would have kicked his ass. I would have, I would have saved their lives. When they carried on to Taranaki and I come back to Whangamata. Yeah. That's when I saw the new bull bars on the old man's Samara. I said, Jesus, father, where'd you get them from? Oh, your brother Dave sold them to me for a hundred bucks. I said, oh, excellent. Yeah, something about fucking Tommy Eddie fucking sold him a wagon. I said, oh, you know, like me not knowing nothing about that. I said, oh, I'm a sweet ass. Tommy Eddie, you, John? We're no, his brother David. I said, no, I've never met David Tommy Eddie. And he would just search for years, walking all the tracks, going off the tracks. It just, um, it can just consume them. I was the last one that probably ever saw them alive, and I, I've never told anybody. They've obviously been digging, and I've just pulled a bone out. There's a piece of bone right here. From Brevity Studios, I'm Ryan Wolf, and this is guilt. Before we start this episode, just a quick update on the Guilt Podcast Facebook discussion group. In the last week, we've made the decision to pause this page for a time. When it was first started, It was meant to be a place for friendly discussion about the podcast. The page has grown significantly and boasts around 5,000 members now. But sadly, as seems to happen in social media, it slowly became an ever more toxic environment of bullying and abuse. For me, this is something I can personally shrug off. But recently, when this became abusive private messages towards my wife, who was a moderator on the page, I made the decision to pause it for the remainder of this season. It's a shame. A vast majority of the members are great, but it seems that large groups like this tend to bring out the worst in people. For general updates on the podcast, I'll continue to post these on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ. In the last episode, you heard from someone I never expected would speak openly with me, on the record. 
James Turner. In that interview, James professed his innocence and claims he never met Heidi in her barn and that at the time of their murders, he was tattooing further south in an area known as Mangakino. I spoke to his former girlfriend Jody Dando and she confirmed that they had been in Mangakino around this time. While she couldn't remember exact dates, she said it could make sense. James also made the startling revelation that yes, his father did own a cream-coloured Subaru station wagon. However, his one did not have bull bars like Heidi and her barns. But when James returned from his trip to Mangakino, he noticed bull bars on his father's Subaru. When he questioned him, his father said he had bought them off of his son David, who had brought them from David Tamahiri. His father also said the two Davids knew each other, as they had been in jail together, which could be possible, but I haven't yet been able to confirm. I recently called James back for a follow-up and clarified the fact that when the Swede's car was eventually found, it had a set of bull bars. James was a bit taken aback by this and drew the obvious conclusion that the car he saw that day with the bull bars probably wasn't his father's. It was the Swede's and that James may have returned to the farm at the end of whatever it was that happened. Remember in Donald Turner's messages to Christine, he said the car they were driving around was the Swede's rental, which would tend to corroborate what James says he saw. It seems there were definitely two white Subaru station wagons in that Parakawai Valley in that weekend in April. But what happened to them is the real mystery. Which car did Darren Lindsay see parked up the forest those two days in two different spots? And if a vehicle did get buried, then which one? Was there a switch or not? These are all questions I'll try and answer in the final episodes of this season. But in this episode, we're going to leave Parakawai and we're going to make the short 15-minute drive to nearby Furutoa Beach with a man that has a story of an experience that he had just so wild it's hard to believe but if true could be one of the most important developments in the case to date recently I had an interview with Jan Dunk on The Rock which is a popular radio station in New Zealand and shortly afterwards I received a call from a man who was anxious and speaking a million miles an hour. He was telling me about something that had happened to him in Furutoa when he was just 11 years old. And it involved a white station wagon, a man, and a blonde woman who he believes was waving for help. I picked Joe up, not his real name, and we made the two-hour drive down to Furutoa Beach because I wanted him to walk me through the whole thing, from start to finish. He tells me he did try to go to the police via a friend some years ago, but ultimately it never came to anything. But that this was mainly due to his fear of retribution for what he had seen. Today, his fear and anxiety over this whole event is deeply traumatizing for him, and he has requested his voice to be altered which can make editing difficult, so I apologize if it's unclear at times. 
as we turn off State Highway 25 into the small town. Joe tells me that what we see today is almost unrecognizable compared to when he was a child. Today, houses line the streets. But it still only has a year-round population of approximately 250 residents. And when Joe was a child, he tells me there were only a handful of people here at any given time. Yes, you tell me about the fertile that you remember when you were here back. Oh, mate, that was that was very, very quiet. Yeah, it was very quiet. You know, there's a, there's a certain number of locals. Um, everybody knew everybody. Oh, absolutely ridiculous. Like, I can hardly tell what our batch was anymore. I can hardly point to our old section because it's so... I pulled an old aerial photo of Furutoa from 1991. And while there are a number of homes present, most of these are holiday homes, or as we say in New Zealand, batches, which will be full over the Christmas period, but come April, most will be empty. What Joe experienced all those years ago is more of a sequence of dramatic events. So my plan is to make our way through these, step by step. And the first of these is just ahead of us, at the end of the road, where he believes he saw a blonde girl waving for help. So let's go in order of sort of what happened. So we, we obviously, I can't remember any timing, we'd obviously got out of bed or whatever, we were hanging around at the end of the street here, just sitting on our bikes at the, straight up there. And we were just sitting, sitting on the footpath, just holding our bikes, just chilling out. Yeah, just sitting here. <laughs> um, so we were over by the cafe sign, but to the right here. Sitting there, and the, the white wagon come through here at speed, man, and it come through very, very rapidly through here. So it comes flying. Come flying through here very rapidly. So we're that guy on that bike now, roughly. We were sitting pretty much right here and here. By the time the car got to where that little bit of sand starts, she was leaning out the back window, waving hello, in my opinion. Yeah, so you say, so who did you see in the car? A white station wagon, one guy in the front, a blonde girl in the back. Roughly another meter or two, she turned around, waved, I say she said help. Right where that power pole is, the car swerved violently, violently off the road, right on that bend, violently. Like, I'd swear she'd either reached over and grabbed it, or he'd turned around and saw her waving, and he tried to grab her, or to turn to do something, and the car swerved off. I can't remember if the power pole was there, right? So where we are now, just so that, for the audio, so we're right next to the beach, we're only about 30 yards away from, from the sand. He swerved up, the car went onto the grass, and... I kind of remember trying to get a few gears, in my, I think it was a manual in my memory, to get a few gears and then he swung back on and then took off. By the time it swerved off the road, we started riding down here on our bike. Me saying, thinking that she's waving out and going, help, I'm kind of like, oh, it swerves off. We were like, fuck, so we started riding down after the car, he swung back onto the road and he took off. Yeah, at speed, he took off at speed up that way. And we gave up. We got down, we got down into the dip a little bit and we just gave up and turned around and rode back. Uh, he was already up and over and gone up and yeah, like you're trying to chase a car on your bike, you're not gonna get too far. That car, like, I swear, probably the person in the back probably reached over and yanked on the steering wheel, man. Just to be clear, 
Joe says him and his friend, aged 11, were sitting on their bikes at the end of this road by the beach, when a white station wagon with a man and a blonde woman came round the corner at speed. Joe says the woman waved and mouthed something, which he believes was help. The car then violently swerves off the road, no more than 30 metres in front of them. The male driver struggles a moment to find a gear, then races off down the road and out of sight. At this point, Joe and his friend give up the chase and ride away. But this would only be the beginning of this strange event. They would see who they believe were the same man again sometime later. Only this time, he was at the other end of the beach. And his behaviour can only be described as bizarre. Me and Joe leave the car and make our way down the beach to the location. A recent storm has caused large amounts of sand to shift and pile high, highlighting the dynamic nature of this place. It does. Last time I came down, it had been it was it was wicked, man. I mean, last time I came there, there, you could walk over almost over to the yellow rope. It was just sand. Um, this is really clean. This is really clean. So we'd go around the edges and we'd do the same type of thing. We'd put a rope and we'd put some hook and we'd try to get eels in there and we'd be going around the rocks on our little kayaks and that and <coughs> trying to see. But so like I say, no one, I never ever saw anybody, anybody go through bush to get to where we're going. Everybody that ever came down here walked down the beach. Um, just say so you would kayak and boat, little boats and kayaks and what have you. But people generally wouldn't. No, not very often, man. So I'm pretty confident that this here used to be a bit, see the, the taller stuff? It was like that. And I'll, I'll put my life on it that it was this patch here that we were hiding in. And we were literally, we were hiding, bro. We were down, we were down like this, like bloody watching. And all of that stuff wasn't, it wasn't that height. There was no height in any of that shit over there. So we had a clear, clear look. Yeah. And he's pretty much standing over on that the little point of grass over there. Oh, way down there? Oh, like 30 metres. Oh, 30 40, metres. 40, 50 metres. Probably 50 metres. Probably even more, actually. Let's go. So, so we see, we, we come round, and he was throwing shit in the water. Oh, neither either. I, can't, I think he was throwing stuff in the water first. He was standing there, throwing shit in the water, and we're kind of like, oh. And I think, oh, fuck. Yeah, this is where I'm a little bit, little few things. He either dug the hole first, yeah. Or we threw the stuff in the water first. Okay, but either way, you see him there. We see him. Um, I think we saw him digging the hole, man. I'm pretty sure he was down on his hands and knees. He was fully, fully clad. No, we did see him digging the hole, 100%, because what I told you. Like, what's this guy doing? What's he doing? Is he burying something? Is he a bank robber? Or, um, okay. Then he got up He got up from digging the hole. Yeah. Then he stood there, pulling stuff out of the bag, throwing it into the water. He, he turned around and he headed up through the bushes. He walked up through the bushes. And we were really a little bit, then we were kind of like, oh, what's going on here? Because it, it just wasn't right, man. Yeah, this is the problem. This is... 
See, and this is what I was saying to you when this thing floods up, that the spot is going to get covered in water run. I'm going to have to say right here. I'm going to have to say right, right here. There was, like I said, unfortunately, if you could have found a, a better image, there was a clear piece of sand. And it wasn't much bigger than... It was just a small piece of sand, like how you can see that colouring. Yeah. We'd gone out a little bit more and come in a bit, but it wasn't big. It was only maybe three by three metres of that. And so you're saying when you walked over here after he'd left? There was a hole, there was a hole there. Yeah. It was about... I'm going to have to probably say just over maybe a metre long. Probably 800 wide. And it would have only been kind of so deep, like, yeah, I'm going to say a bit more than half a metre deep, but not much, probably not much more. Um, it was right here and it was, the water was seeping up because obviously it's so close. The sand was dry sand, but once you dug under it this much, it was wet. Um, so straight away, as soon as we got here, water was seeping up through the hole. I'm not going to reveal the exact location, but Joe and I are standing in a spot that is private. There is no direct view to this place unless you walk a distance on foot. The area of water next to us is not a beach. It is not directly connected to the ocean. And it's here that Joe says him and his friend saw the man a second time, on his knees, digging a large hole and throwing items from a bag into the water. When the man finished what he was doing, he walked back through the long grass and disappeared into the nearby bush. And when Joe and his friend investigated the hole, they found it empty, floating all around were the items the man had discarded from the bag. And then when you, what did you see when you looked in the hole? Nothing at all. And the stuff he was throwing into the... There was floating stuff floating around. From memory, this is what I'm going to say from memory, I believe there was some maps, possibly travellers' checks. And as I says, I, I believe we got the ticket, got a ticket. So tell me about that. So we spent quite a while down here trying to reach in, like I'd lean in, and my mate was kind of holding me so he could get that further reach. Yeah. And we were trying to get some stuff and we couldn't, couldn't get anything. Um, happened after that, we, we went up through the bush. We had a little bit of a play for a while, trying to find it. We could hear music going very loudly up there, up, up that way. Very loud. Um, we went up through the bush, we decided we'd go up through where the guy went, and we got near the top of the, yeah, kind of where that green cover is, or that little wooden cover with the green thing on it, I think it was probably somewhere, probably pretty much up through there, somewhere very similar area, and when we get up to the top there's a section, there's one person down here, one person. Yeah, we were trying to lean in and grab some stuff and blow around a bit. It's a bit windy. Yep, there's quite a lot of papery type, type shit, yep. Um, it blew around to the edge a little bit around the corner, and that's where we were leaning in trying to get it. But that was after we'd gone up through the bush, and we'd heard some type of... We got up near the top where the empty section was, and there was some type of commotion. It feels like someone's been through here. Like, I don't know why, but I keep getting the feeling that someone seems to come around here. Did you hey. feel like when you saw that guy that day that something dodgy was happening? Absolutely, 100%. We thought he was a thief to start with, bank robber, thief. 
throwing stuff into the lagoon that was clearly discarding stuff, a few things splashed. And I believe that, that thing that we retrieved, that, that when things splash... Oh, right, the knife. Yeah. Yes, you heard that correctly. The knife. Sometime after the events of this day, Joe returned to the spot with his uncle and a powerful magnet, and they cast it into the water to see what they might find. According to Joe, from the water in the same spot as the man was digging the hole, they found a large hunting knife. Yeah, so, so that, oh, actually, while we're standing here, so you come back here at some point after, it could be months. Yep, and we're standing on that. I still think it's pretty much right there. Could be over a little bit more this way, Ryan. But it's, it wouldn't be any further than, no, it wasn't even this way, Ryan. It wasn't. I'm pretty sure it was just down through that shit there. Yeah, our uncle had a magnet on a, from memory, it was on a bailing twine. And I actually think we came down here, I can't remember again, I think we came down here because I told them about what we saw. And that stuff had splashed and sunk. And I think we actually came down especially to have a little bit of a, bit of a magnet. We ended up pulling in all sorts of stuff. People obviously just come down and throw shit in there. Or maybe it's made its way down. This might have been a bit of a rubbish dump for people back in the days. I think it probably was. I think it probably was. You know, we threw a magnet and I don't know how many times, I can't remember, but we pulled bike frame and car, some old, it was an old car part of some description, maybe, I can't remember. It was a very strong magnet though. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that knife, the knife came in, had no compass on the end of it. Yeah. And that compass, if that compass had been on the end of it, it would have floated. So that compass was removed, in my opinion, so that knife would sink. Amazingly, only a few years ago, Joe was cleaning out his garage and found what he believes is that same knife. It's a large hunting-style steel blade, one side serrated with a plastic handle. These were extremely common knives that used to hold items in the handle, like a fishing line, and then on the end, a compass would trap air and cause it to float if dropped into the water. So the question, was this knife accidentally dropped without a compass and sank? Or was the compass removed so that it would sink? I'll put some photos of this knife on my Instagram. According to Joe, after they watched the man dig the hole, their curiosity got the better of them, and they followed him up into the bush to see what the noise was. Today, Joe has a very bad back, and it's a real battle getting through the neck-high grass and water to the spot he says they walked all those years ago. We, we, we followed, we watched the guy go back up through the bush. Up through this bush. Yeah, which was unusual. After, after he'd been discarding stuff and then he decides to walk, dig a hole, discard some stuff and then disappear through the bush. We wondered where it went, so we went up. Went up through the bush, got most of the way up. There was a lot of rubbish. Um, and then there was a canopy of, like we could nearly see through the canopy not quite, it's quite a thick canopy up on the empty section of bush, trees, and we could hear, I'm going to say a distressed girl. I thought then it was some type of, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, bloody, when people have a bit of a domestic. But it wasn't, there wasn't yelling or screaming or anything, it was more, 
Well, to me, somebody was in distress. Um, yeah, I don't really want to say what I think was happening. Didn't see anything, we heard it, um, and we decided to come back down and just stay away from it all. You know, I'd, I'd seen a bit of stuff by that age. Yeah. My family and a few other families, and you kind of know when something's not not right and you shouldn't kind of be, be hanging around. Yeah. So we come back down here, back down to the water, and we're trying to get some of the yeah. paperwork. And then we ended up getting something further over when we go back around. I'll show you where we ended up retrieving. Yeah. What I can remember was yeah. his ticket. Yeah, it might have been long here a bit further away, but I'd, I'd almost I'd have to put my life on it that this is a section where... Oh, here, look, he's... Yeah. This is it. This is it, bro. This is it. This is it. And you... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. So we got to come down the come up the driveway and I showed you that middle driveway and you'd come up through here. There was no fencing. There was no nothing. His, from memory, the canopy of trees came all the way around. All the way around. There was no clearing here. It was like this the whole way. And his car and the tent were kind of over here. The car was parked forward. The boot was up. Been held up by a broomstick or some, something along those lines. There's a big tent here, it was a big one. I don't remember what colour. Possibly tan and orange, but that's that's at a, at a best guess. It wasn't a little type one, it was one of those quite big canvas ones with I believe entrance. You walk into a little bit of an entrance and then then there's the tent. So the car you saw here, you think it was a white 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 station wagon? I honestly don't know. I can't say I can't say whether it was or not. I can't say whether it was or not, but um I'm gonna say it was the same car that we later on bounced on at the at the surf club, the same one that had gone erratically off the road. Um, but no, I, I didn't see the side of the car. It's almost like the thing you saw here and that, they're kind of two separate things, and it's whether they're connected is the key really, isn't it? We, we got the ticket or whatever we got out of the water. We ended up discarding it again because we were worried that someone had obviously been robbed there. We might have called the police and police might have thought we were up to mischief as young fellas. So we discarded it. And then we come back up to the top of the walkway, and that's when I'm going to say that other car come out of there in a hurry, with the music going, and straight away we thought we were in the clear to come in every nosy. Let's just catch back up with Joe here. At this point, him and his friend have seen the man digging the hole. They've walked up to the tree line, 
where they've heard what Joe describes as a woman in distress. From here, they walk back to the water's edge, where Joe claims that they pulled an airline ticket out of the water. A ticket that he believes was Urban's. They then walk back towards the road, where they see a vehicle leave the area at speed. Thinking the man is now gone, the pair decide to walk down the driveway to the section and investigate. But instead of finding the spot empty, the man is in fact still there with a blonde girl. So when did you say you spoke to the guy and he was trying trying to be nice to you? We come up here and he was here and the blonde girl was here with him. She was sitting over, from memory, she was sitting over kind of in this area and he was surprised to see us come around and we were quite surprised to see him too because we thought that whoever was in that other car and the music in the hole and they'd gone. So we felt safe as soon as we ran into him we were like, oh. He was nice from memory, he was a decent guy, he showed us a few things. He said his name was Pat, and he said he was a local. I remember that well. There's some things I don't remember well, but I remember that well. I, I laughed at his name in my head. Um, we had a family friend called Pat. She was a female chick. I used to be a bit of a funny guy when it came to names with... That sounded like a girl's name. <laughs> um, and when we told Dad about it, Dad was really intrigued because he knew all the locals, and he didn't know anyone called Pat. But so when you, so did you guys go down there, you said you found Urban's? We think, we believe, I believe. We walked back up the beach where we came, we walked up the access way, which was different back then, it was a different one. And as we came up the top of there, that's when the falcon came out. So when was it that you spoke to the guy here? It was, I say, with the ticket, we bucked around down there, we threw it back in the water, we come back up to the top of the lagoon maybe five minutes later, the falcon come out of the driveway, we came in, we come in to have a nosy. Because we thought that the Falcon was the only, probably the only car, the music, the whole. Oh, so you thought they'd taken it off? They thought they'd bug it off. So we come from nosy in here and running, running to the dude and a, and a girl. She was crying. We asked if she needed help. We said we were locals, is she alright? From memory again, he said, oh, she hurt herself setting up the, she hurt her wrist setting up the tent. Um, she didn't say, she didn't say bugger all. And he was, he was really friendly. He was really friendly. I remember him telling us to come back that night if we could and he'd do a campfire, bonfire, and I think he said he'd teach us a few knots because he knew we told him we were into cubs, you know, the cubs and what have you. Um, and we had a little conversation with him, and then off we went. You get over to here, and this is where you see the falcon. Yep, we come back up in front of your ute, yeah, was where the old walkway was, and the, I'm going to say, Fairmont wagon come screaming out of here, man. The guy when we talked to, here. out of here, hit the, hit the road, hit the curb and the wheel spun up in the sand, because there was sand around the edges too. And I remember that spinning up, I was like, fuck yeah. So my family had those type of vehicles and I was very, uh, very keen. Um, music was blaring still. And yeah, we were like, fucking cool. Better go and have a nosy. Where's the curb? There's a curb somewhere. It wasn't a big curb, but there's a little boop, and as it come off, it's at the speed, is at the wheels, just spun a few times. I was pretty impressed. And, and the guy that we ran into, we questioned him about it, and he denied any knowledge of seeing it, or knowing about it, and he can't have. There was no way he could have missed it. The sound of it, the music it was playing, and he fully denied, oh no, I haven't, he, he denied it, fully denied it. 
and that's when there I didn't tell him about the hole. Pretty sure I didn't mention the hole because when I clicked that he denied that, I'm sitting there going, fuck, something's not right here. And I think I was kind of thinking that he's probably friends with them. Because you couldn't have missed it. You couldn't have missed it. And so to be clear, at this time, you were about 11 years old? I was 11 and a half, I think it was. Um, yeah, I was, I was young. I was young. I, I have a very good memory. Um, but, hey, once again, that long ago, there's, there's stuff that's going to be a bit... How comes out? Where are you guys when the car comes out? We, we just come up to the top in front of your, in front of your ute, was where the old walkway was. Yeah. And we just popped out, and we were probably just grabbing our bikes. So we left our bikes up there and walked down. We would have just grabbed our bikes, and then he come past us. And so we come up in front of there, we're looking down, see him come out, spin it up, go down there, and we rode off back up the driveway. Oh, and went for an OZ, we rode up for an OZ. Yeah. And then when we came back down, went up over the hill, and the Falcon Fairmont was sitting on the half on the footpath, half on the road, down, just down over the hill. And he tried to, he was trying to get us into their car. Asking us where we lived, asking us if we can put our bikes in the back and they'd give us a lift home and stuff. You know, for a tow, it only takes you, you know, we ever got home in, in China two or three minutes on our bar. Three minutes, four minutes on our bikes. Yeah, there was definitely, there was definitely three, three people, possibly more, but definitely three. Definitely 300%. I, I do have a feeling there's a girl in the back trying to go, oh, come, and they're like, it was all good. There's a girl going, oh, it's okay, come. Um, and I, I honestly think we give them the bird, eh? I think we give them the fingers or something. We were kind of turning around. We stopped on our bikes for a minute to turn around and talk to him. Okay. Um, and then he just kind of crept along. Crept along and then all of a sudden he's like, Wrong! And bloody... Yeah, we were, we were already heading up the section. And he, he tried to drive his car up the section there. We thought we were quite clever because the driveway is in a very different place and you had to know for a tower be a local, etc., to know how to access that property. Yeah. We thought we were smart asses sitting up on top of the hill, quite clever. And then they, they come down the driveway and came at us, hit the brakes, car skidded, the guy jumped out, face planted the grass. We shot back down and we went and hid a couple of houses down. The, um, the retaining wall place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's weird, you, you know, you... Back then as a kid, as you say, and dad blows stuff off and that, and you kind of it just felt like it was a bit of an adventure. It didn't really feel like danger, you know? Um, so we buggered off up that section, and yeah, thought we were quite clever. He tried to drive up it. I, I felt it was steeper back in the day, but it may not have been. Um, you know, we couldn't just sit at the bottom and ride up there on our bike. You know, it was a bit, bit steep to do that, but we went up there and we were sitting up, up on top of that hill there, kind of grinning away, thinking we were clever. And then he come, they come up, the, up around the top and down the driveway. Oh, right. But he, uh, yeah. Trying to scare you. Well, I'm not, I actually think they were going to try to grab us, Ryan. Yeah. The way he jumped out of the car while it was still moving, and he face-planted the ground. You know, looking back, I'm just going to have to say, I, I think they probably would have tried to grab us. Yeah, I don't think they were going to try to give us a hiding or trying to get us into their car for what? You know, uh, the adult, adult people chasing kids who might have given them the fingers or might have got a little bit smart. But we still didn't think there was any danger. Kind of thought it was a bit of a, bit of a, not a game, but you know. And so what happened? And they drove up, they drove up and down a few times, you know, and shit out. Because obviously once he face planted and we buggered off back down the hill and went and hid, they'd come back down having a look for us. And they were yelling, I can't remember what they were yelling out. Maybe we're going to find you or fucking going to fire you. He would have been, 
yeah. been a bit going on. Um, then we hid there until we were pretty happy that it was gone. And I think we slowly made our way home. There's a lot to take in here. I'm trying to just let Joe tell his story, and I hope it's making sense. At this point, he claims to have seen the vehicle swerve off the road with the man and the blonde girl. Then he sees him digging the hole and discarding the items, one of which he believes was Urban's airline ticket. He then claims they spoke to the man who was friendly and called himself Pat, and he was with a blonde woman that looked like she had been crying. They were then chased by a group of people in a vehicle after refusing to get in the car. It truly is a dramatic story. But it's not over yet. Joe claims they saw the vehicle and the man one last time. Only this time, it was outside the bar in Ferratoa. And there was no woman. And I can't remember what happened in between this and that. You know, you say we might have ended up in Whangamataa, we might have ended up... I think there's a good few hours in between it all happening. Uh, but I remember it all finished in broad daylight. It all finished in broad daylight. Here's the alleyway here that he ran the... He ran the white post in the alleyway just up here. That was a round one and it was taller than that. And he ran that and tried to drive up there. He came in at speed and came around and bang and fucking rammed into that. So you'd run... We come up from the bar, yeah, surf clubs down there, we come up here. So tell me the story from we can sit here and then you can just... Oh, we, we ended up eventually... Well, hey, when we, saw, when we saw the dude doing what he was doing and all the rest of it, we found stuff and we saw stuff, we knew someone had been robbed. I, back then I was a little bit of a... Not a detective, obviously. I thought I was quite... I used to read all the old soul, unsolved mysteries and this and that and I was quite, quite into all this kind of stuff. Um... We ended up down at that surf club. Well, we hey, so we went. We went on a little bit of a mission to try to find. You know, there's no one here. We thought it can't be that hard to find who's been robbed. Surely, we can find someone. With, and it was our little mission to go and try to find the person who had this shit thrown in the lagoon. Um, we ran across the car. That's when I clicked that that car was the same one that that girl was waving out of that swerved off the road. I'm like, hey, this is that car that they were in earlier. So we went looking for a guy and a girl, looking for a blonde girl and a guy. And we went up to the front of the beach and we looked all the way down the beach from the front where it goes down the access way. You can look to the left, you can look to the right. You can see all the way down the beach. If there's anyone walking on the beach, you would have seen them. If the car was parked there, I thought they won't be... You know, if it was there, they're not going to be all the way down at that end. They're going to be... We thought they were probably in the bar. So we went around and we looked through the window in the bar. Couldn't see any blonde girl. The blonde girl was who we were mainly looking for. Uh, we knew that she was in that car. We didn't have a good description of the guy, so we didn't really know what he looked like. We hadn't pieced together that they, that was the, the thing on the camp section. Yeah. We didn't even click to that. We hadn't seen the car properly. It was behind the tent. Yeah. So we ended up looking the beach. We looked in the bar. And then I started thinking maybe she's one of these surf lifesavers who come and go and they end up living these premises in the premises there and you'd end up just with random people coming and staying and bunking and doing a bit of life saving and coming and going and so we kind of thought oh maybe she's just one of these people who's come to someone's come to drop her off to do some life saving or what have you so we went around and looked in the there's another side that we were allowed in it's like the hall where they do bingo housing and just different shit so we went and had a look in there and there was no one in there and we we're like well fuck they can't be too far away man so we come out and we bloody started bouncing on the bloody Suddenly the ball bars were there and they just they just stuck out to us. And when your kids, you know, it was just 
we started giving them a bit of a bounce and the thing was bouncy as you can imagine the, the shocks must have been absolutely buggered bounced off the ground nearly the key was on the front driver's tire fell off into the sand um and then yeah we kept bloody i pulled the key up i was going to put it in my pocket and hold on to it just in case because we thought that the people were being a bit naive whoever left it there and we didn't I ended up putting it back on the wheel that was after we bouncing it some more put it back on the wheel and the guy come out and bloody told us to get the fuck away from his car the guy come running out and yeah get the fuck away is exact words get the fuck away from my car i remember that clearly and we were like oh fuck because we, we were assuming that the blonde girl you know she was going to be friendly in our opinion and you, you're bouncing on someone's car we didn't expect them to come back or come out and, and abuse us and go oh you're fucking hurt. so when this guy come out and did that he was clearly being on the booze he almost fell down the front stairs and he started running towards us and he was kind of stumbling a little bit he wasn't running very straight and we come down went down the alleyway come down around the other end of it and he had his car parked aiming at us we come to here we walked all the way up there it goes round to the left and it goes round to the right so right now we're looking you come down the road about 300 meters from the bar and there's like a narrow alleyway so we're going down the alleyway yep and he knows, he, he knew, he knew what he was up to, man. He knew the plough, of course. Yeah, but he was the, he was the falcon who knew that driveway, and then he was, he was the one who was uh, in the white, the white wagon. And those ball bars, man, if it hadn't been for those ball bars, I reckon he would have floored us. Because they were what stopped that car on the concrete incline. So he was sitting, if you go down there and do a U-turn, yeah, he was sitting right here, aiming up the alleyway there. He was just sitting here with his head down, head down aiming at revving the car up, man. Those trees weren't there and shit. I don't think that power pole, uh, the power pole might have been there, but I don't even know about that. But he was sitting perfectly there, revving it, head down like this. And I remember the black here, we were just up on the top of the, just on the top of the rise there. And then we were just like, what the fuck's this drunk cunt? What's this drunk cunt doing? Well, more, li more in line, but yeah, lined up perfectly. And then revving, once he saw it, he started revving it up and we are like, what a, what a drunk cunt, you know, we weren't even thinking anything. And then he just let rip and come fucking flying up the alleyway. And he must have got up to about first, second, thirdish kind of tree. And the ball bars firmly bottomed out into the concrete and the car came to a halt. Car came to a halt. The shocks were really fucked too. So the bouncing of that, you know, as he come up there, it, and it just went boom. And the sparks on his, his side, I think I might have originally seen the passenger side too because of... It was 100% his side, as you can imagine, his weight in the car, the shocks are fucked, no one in the passenger side, his, his side bottomed out, and the sparks, I remember, like, so clearly, it was broad daylight, and the sparks were just wicked, man. They were wicked. Like, there would have been damage on those ball bars, but they'd say that's long gone, man. I don't even know if we ran down, we would have turned around and run a little bit, but we were walking back down that alleyway, we might have been probably halfway down, and he ran the post hard, um, and he got out of the car and then started running up the alleyway. And we, we split. We split into the section. We hid in the shed, and then I decided in my wisdom that we, by then we kind of knew something was a little bit like, fuck this, we don't want that guy to get hold of us. He's clearly chasing us. We were quite good cross-country runners, we were fast. He was clearly, we'd seen that he was a little bit probably pissed. I, I, we, we got out of that shed and hid in the bushes at the front of the house, hid in the hedge, because we were scared that if, if by chance, we pulled that door of that shed open, we were, we were fucked. You know, we were in there, he, he hit us. 
So we thought, oh, well, if we go and hide somewhere else, we can keep an eye on him. We're hiding in the hedge. We could see the car. And if he did jump out, we could run off again. We could split. Whatever, whatever. Confident that both of us were going to be able to. We probably would have stuck together, but we would have been confident we would have got away from them. Yeah. And then what happened? What happened after that? So then does he eventually did He buggered off. He buggered off. Um, once we watched the car go past in the bushes, we could see the car going down the main road. Again, I look back now and it really gives me the shits, but back then, it, for some reason, it didn't really... We were in there, and we could, you know, if you know, if you're in there hiding, you'd probably be all right. And we could see... We saw him drive down past the bottom of here. And then we went out, and we went down to the bottom, and we saw him driving out to the right-hand side over towards Whangamata. He pulled out, and he turned right, and he was going that way. And that's, that's effectively... That's, 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 that's pretty much it. You know, we went back home and dad, oh, dad, 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 and he just blew everything off. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it, man. That's pretty much it. Bro. Oh, it's, like I say, you can kind of see why some stuff I've said could be a bit in, but you can't make up, you can't, you just can't, you just, you can't, man. Someone, hey, people can, but. I guess, you know, like, all it comes down to is, you know, is what, I have no doubt that you experienced what you did, is, is it connect? Well, is it connected to this case? It or fucking is. Nah, man, that car. I know that it was that way today. I honestly, that There's one thing I'm sure of, and that's that Joe experienced something that day. He is a hundred percent adamant in his mind that it was Heidi he saw that day, with a man with dark hair and facial hair. He believes this man called himself Pat, and even says they found Urban's airline ticket floating in the water. Obviously, if this is true, then it would have to be connected. Clearly, it's something I need to take seriously. But there are a number of factors that need to be taken into consideration. Of course, my first question to Joe, who was this friend? I need to speak to him. Unfortunately, Joe says that despite questioning him at length, the friend he believes was with him that day doesn't recall any of this story, other than perhaps fishing things out of the water. Joe also told me that he believes he told his father at the time, and they may have even driven past the police station to find it closed. Again, if his father could corroborate this, that would be extremely useful but he doesn't recall Joe ever mentioning anything of these events at the time. It's also important to note that these memories have slowly come back to Joe over the years, and he admits he did read Ian Wishart's book Missing Pieces about the case, which for me is a concern as it could possibly influence Joe's memory after all these years. The area Joe saw the man digging the hole and discarding the items appears to have been a bit of a dumping ground. And sadly, in past years and even today, people do dig holes at the beach to bury rubbish. Is that what Joe saw that day? Just a man discarding his rubbish? Finally, his age at the time of the events. Everyone's different, and I'm not saying this is the case here. But obviously, the witness evidence of a child needs to be viewed with some caution. In my experience, attempting to recall an extreme level of detail after even a short amount of time is risky. So for me, I'm more interested in the bigger things. 
a man driving a white station wagon erratically with a blonde girl, digging a large hole and chasing these boys. That is not normal behavior, and I think is something I can focus on. So this won't be the last you hear of this story. Interestingly, Furutoa is only a two-minute drive from the location Rodney Taupaki says he saw the Subaru station wagon parked next to an old shack in the bush. The same car, he believes he saw a man leave the Whangamata pub with Heidi. In fact, Furutoa is literally directly below this shack in the bush. So could Rodney's sighting and Joe's sighting be connected? Does the answer to this mystery lie not in Parakawai, but instead in nearby Furutoa? Or is this just muddying the dirty waters even further? As usual, when one door opens, I find so many more. But hopefully, if I open enough, eventually I'll find the right one. Guilt is a Brevity Studios production, written, produced, and narrated by me, Ryan Wolf. All opinions expressed in this podcast are exactly that, opinions, and are not a statement of fact by the podcast itself. All persons named are presumed innocent unless proven otherwise in a court of law. You'll find further photos and video on my Instagram, RyanWolfNZ. Guilt is a 100% independent production. We've never received a single dollar in taxpayer funding. And you can support us to continue to make great content, plus get ad-free listening, bonus episodes, and early release by becoming a Brevity Plus subscriber on Apple or Acast Plus. You'll find the details in the show notes of every episode. This podcast was written and edited without the use of AI. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.